Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. All right, welcome into another episode of Inside Boxing Live. Today we come to you from the studios here in New York, New York, ready for another edition. And we have a big one for you today. ESPN, the voice of ESPN Boxing, Joe Tessitore, joins us on the program. You might have heard him on the Belmont Stakes. You might have heard him on, uh, on Fight Night, the EA Sports video game. And coming this fall, you will hear him on Monday Night Football as he is, was named as the new official broadcaster uh, for Monday Night Football. And on Saturday, you'll see him with Terrence Crawford uh, taking on Jeff Horn. You're not going to want to miss uh, that interview uh, with Joe Tessitore. He's been a very dear friend of ours here at CompuBox uh, for many years, and uh, we get into a lot of things. Uh, with this interview. A lot of things happening in the world of boxing. There was no fights this past weekend, but there are a lot coming up uh, this June 9th. It's one of the busiest weekends on the boxing schedule. But before we get to all the fights that are coming up and we give you the, the preview of that, I want to talk about something we are very excited about right here. Look at this. This is a official Muhammad Ali by the numbers, written by Bob Canobio. That sounds familiar. Bob Canobio is my father. He, he's now an author. He wrote it along with Lee Groves, who is a world-renowned boxing author and one of the best boxing writers uh, in the game today. He writes for Ring Magazine. He's also a CompuBox uh, punch counter, statistician, extraordinaire, one of the best guys in, in, in boxing uh, uh, today. But this book right here is very special uh, be for a number of reasons. Uh, one, because it's about Muhammad Ali. And a little side story is the reason that uh, CompuBox is a thing today is because of my dad's love for Muhammad Ali. And it made him a boxing fan. And, and fast forward 33 years, we're here today uh, doing this show and uh, ringside of fights. But this book, what it's basically about is the life of Muhammad Ali and all his fights. And what makes it different from every other Muhammad Ali book that was, has been written over the years is the fact that this one goes through the numbers. You know, you can go back to all of Muhammad Ali's fights. And we know you've watched them all. You know, The Thrill of Manila versus George Foreman. Uh, versus Travalo. Go through all of them. Now you can go with this book and look at the numbers. You can see how many punches that Muhammad Ali was hit with. That's the most startling thing from when I read this book is the fact that Ali was hit so much. His defense got so bad towards the end of his career where that he absorbed so many punches. And it was great for us because they were some of the best fights of all time. But it's just it's a different look into the, the life and the career. Uh, of Muhammad Ali. It's not just a book of numbers. You're not going to open up this book and just see graphs and punch counts. You're going to see, uh, you know, stories that go along with it. And that's from Lee Groves. He spent hours, countless hours, and he went through hundreds and hundreds of articles about Muhammad Ali to find, you know, beyond the numbers to get to give you a little story, a little background story on what made that fight so special. So you can get this book on Amazon.com. Uh, it's $20. It's well spent. It can go along with all your Muhammad Ali books that you already have. And uh, if you want, if you find yourself at the Hall of Fame this weekend, uh, Lee Groves will be there. He'll be front and center with the book. He'll sign it for you. He'll probably go through a story for you. You ask him anything about Muhammad Ali, Lee Groves 
we'll, we'll do it to him. So special shout out to Lee for uh, putting a lot of time and effort uh, into this book. And I really think it's a great gift for Father's Day. It's a great gift for any boxing fan out there. So there it is, the CompuBox, Muhammad Ali, by the numbers, available now at Amazon and wherever you get your books. Uh, but moving forward here on the program, very busy week in boxing. It's kind of weird in, this, in boxing where last week we had nothing. There were no fights on Saturday night outside of uh, Muhammad, uh, Muhammad Ali, outside of uh, Vander Holyfield's uh, Real Deal uh, promotion. He did a, a small show um, that was streamed, but that was it. I know so you had to go out there and you had to just fend for yourself on Saturday night if you're a big boxing fan. But this weekend, man, we got a lot of fights. I mean, I don't know how you're going to get to all of these fights. Uh, we'll start with um, what we're going to see on Showtime. Uh, they're putting on a doubleheader. Uh, between Jamel Charlo uh, fighting Austin Trout, Abner Maris rematch with Leo Santa Cruz. We'll start with uh, Jamel Charlo and Austin Trout. And the reason I think this fight is must-watch is because anytime Charlo steps into the ring, both of them, you have to watch. Uh, Jamel Charlo is coming off of his first-round KO of Erickson Lubin, who uh, that was the nasty knockout. I was ringside for that. Came out of nowhere in round number one. Now, he's fighting Austin Trout. Now, obviously, we know who Austin Trout is. He's fought Canelo. He's fought Angulo. He's fought Lara. He's fought everybody. Uh, and look at Austin Trout's. Um, three of his last four fights have been against both Charlos and Hurd. I mean, this guy is being put through the ringer. So it's going to be a good fight. So I'm looking forward to that one. That will get you warmed up for Abner Maris and Leo Santa Cruz. This is a fight, a rematch of a fight that happened uh, over maybe close to three years ago. Um... You know, a lot of people are wondering why it took so long to make the fight, but who cares? The fight is happening, and this will be a rematch of, from their 2015 fight that was um, won by Santa Cruz, 12 rounds. But in that fight, they landed 600 punches, and they threw over 2,000 punches were thrown. This fight is going to deliver. So keep an eye on that one. Maris is 2-0 uh, since their first fight. Santa Cruz is 3-1. His only um, loss uh, came to Frampton. That's your showtime portion of the night. Then you're going to see in the early afternoon, Tyson Fury is back. Return of the Mac, baby. He's fighting Sefer Sefery. Yes, Sefer Sefery. It'll be Fury's first fight in 30 months uh, after we know that he's been through all the, the, um, the drug problems and all that. But he's back. Sefery, he last fought a 12-round decision, lost to Manuel Char. So we'll see what Fury has to offer. That's not going to be a fight that's going to be super exciting. It's going to be a fight that you're going to want to watch to see what Fury has left uh, in the tank. That leads you up to the biggest fight of the weekend, in my opinion. It's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. If you haven't gone out there and spent the $5, do it. It's well worth it. Uh, believe me. It's Terrence Crawford versus Jeff Horn. And this is a big one because Terrence Crawford is his first fight at 147. Uh, it's, a, it's a division that he's going to find himself in some of the biggest fights moving forward. Everyone wants him to fight Errol Spence. Everyone wants him to fight you know, Keith Thurman, go down the list. But uh, this will be his first foray into 147 against Jeff Horn. And everything we know about Jeff Horn and his controversial win over Manny Pacquiao. Uh, it's his first fight in the States. Um, people want to see what Jeff Horn can bring to the table. It Was that win over Pacquiao, you know, did he deserve it? Or, you know, will, how will he respond against the guy in Terrence Crawford? That, and no one's giving Horn any shot uh, in this fight. But some stats about Terrence Crawford that I just found just amazing here from, from here, us at CompuBox. He lands nearly 50% of his power punches. So he's very efficient with his power punches. And he's got great defensive skills. And let's keep in mind that uh, Jeff Horn landed 15% of his punches against Manny Pacquiao. So how many will he land 
on a fighter that's a, a defensive wizard um, like Terrence Crawford. But there it is. There's your their weekend of fights, starting with Abner Maris, Leo Santa Cruz, Jamel Charlo, Austin Trout, Tyson Fury, the return of Tyson Fury, see what he's got in the tank, and then we see Terrence Crawford, Jeff Horn fighting on ESPN. So there you have it. Great weekend of fights. We're going to be all over it uh, with CompuBox. Follow along on our, our, our Twitter page. We'll be updating stats and uh, all that. But with that, let's throw it to our interview here with the great Joe Tessitore, the voice of ESPN Boxing, the voice of Monday Night Football, and a very dear friend to us here at CompuBox. Our next guest here on Inside Boxing Live, you may have uh, heard his voice as the voice of ESPN Boxing. You may have, uh, if you're a horse racing fan, you may have heard his voice there. Or if you're a Fight Night fan on uh, Friday Night Fights, you have heard uh, him on many calls. But to me, Joe Tessitore is known as a member of the National Italian American Foundation. (laughs) (laughs) And he joins us, and he's a friend of CompuBox, and he joins us right now on Inside Boxing Live. How are you, Joe? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. That's the that's the only that's the only way I'd be introduced by way of CompuBox introducing me as a NIAF member, which I proudly discuss. You know what's so funny, and you guys can appreciate this, is with all the announcements recently of Monday Night Football and you know and and the new crew that we put together, I've I've gotten a lot of. Do you ever sit back and and think about the <laughs> fact that uh, you know you're you now have the same job that Howard Cosell once had and. You know, all the, the the legacy and the lineage. I'm like, listen, I'm a product of being the son of an Italian immigrant in the 70s growing up in and around New York. Yeah, of course I did. Cosell, the 70s. I used to do impersonations of Cosell to my immigrant grandfather who couldn't speak English. It was the only way I could get him to laugh. So, yeah. I'm very proud of that uh, that Nias mentioned. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's one Italian American to another, so I, I appreciate exactly. it. Exactly. And I am, well, you know, us Italian Americans are very proud that you're now the voice of Monday Night Football. So first off, congrats on on that job. I was very happy to hear that, and I know you're gonna knock it out of the park. So I know you have a lot of work with that coming up, and uh, Monday Night Football on ESPN is is like no other. And I know you're getting into that. So first off, congrats on on the gig. Thank you so much. I think it's you know to me. It's the perfect marriage of my passions in life. So, you know, I'm a hardcore football guy, but a lifelong boxing guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the idea of being able to stay ringside and now with top rank on board at ESPN to be doing such world-class events ringside and marry that up to the NFL Monday Night Football brand, it's, it's the ideal assignments for me. I'll talk. You say that you were growing up as an Italian American and, and you know doing the Howard Cosell Im- impressions and all that. I know you're a, a diehard boxing fan. It's one of your biggest yes. passions. What got you into boxing? I always wanted to ask you that. Who were some of your early influences? Well, my, you know, my my family were huge boxing fans, and from my grandfather, basically from a young age, basically uh, my father's father, um, brainwashing everybody to believe that Rocky Marciano is <laughs> the greatest yeah. athlete of all time which fast forward, we're also a Boston college family Mm -hmm. and Steven Marciano, Rocky's youngest nephew went to college with me, played college football, at Boston college became a very dear family friend. So the two families got to know each other very, very well. There was that side of it from the, from the Italian pride, but you know, my father, my father and all my uncles were huge fight fans. I can remember my father going down to new Orleans for Ali Sphinx coming back, bringing me back a program. Um, you know, you know, watching Saturday afternoon ABC fights, all the big fights. Um, and then in the 80s, you know, I was, a, I was a kid that used to go to local shows with my dad. We used to go to club shows at the Empire State Plaza, the Starlight Music Theater, the RPI Fieldhouse. Well, if you were growing up 
as a preteen and teenager in the mid-1980s in Albany, Schenectady, Troy, New York, you were watching a certain heavyweight nicknamed Kid Dynamite. I was at Mike Tyson's pro debut against wow. Hector Mercedes at the Empire State Plaza. Wow. I was at his fight against Dave Jocko at the Starlight Music Theater. I was at his fight against Jesse Ferguson at the, at the Houston Fieldhouse in Troy, New York, Quick Tillis at the Glens Falls Civic Center. All those fights, I mean, you know, we were growing up in that era. I can remember, I think it was a freshman in high school, you know, watching Iron Mike do his thing and take this amazing ride up. So it's very easy to get caught up in it then. I was, a, I was obviously a huge fan prior to that as well. Um, but, man, I mean, riding that wave of being in the Capital District when Mike and his crew were doing their thing on that, that first ride up was amazing. Well, it must have been a thrill for you. I know you did a lot of work with, um, you know, the uh, talking about the ESPN Plus and their fight library, you know, and I know you did a lot of voiceover work, and they have that yes. Mike Tyson Greatest Hits compilation, which I will stop and watch every single time it's on. So it must have been, like, kind of crazy for you to maybe do a voiceover for that, knowing that you were somewhere in that arena as well. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because, to me, the ESPN Plus app, is now a fight fan's dream. And I said this to one of our executives that had a lot to do with putting it together. I said, forget the fact that now boxing is one of the pillars of this new product, which is phenomenal. I'm sitting in bed, I'm navigating the thing, and all of a sudden I'm getting lost. And like <laughs> 90 minutes and two hours is going by because you go through all the old fights and you're like, oh my God, I want to see that in cricket. See, boxing to me is very different than any other sport. Boxing plays like a movie plays. It stands the test of time. Every other sport is results-oriented and has a shelf life. Once you've watched a game and you got the result, you're not watching that game back 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. The result happens. You understand it. It's a narrative and a soap opera that moves on like a serial to the next episode. That's not what boxing is. These one-off mega events in boxing are timeless. You want to relive them. They're like classic movies that you want to experience again. Now, this isn't a classic movie, but for me, it was one of those flashpoints in my life. But when Tyson fought Jesse Ferguson on a Saturday ABC fight, I was there. I was sitting there in floor seats with my dad. I was on the app the other day, and it was one of the first fights I came across. So I clicked it and played it, and here it is in its original broadcast form. And it, it took me back to that time. It took me back to being a teenager with my dad, hanging out, going to a fight. That's crazy because you're totally right with that. And you can go down rabbit holes on, on YouTube and because you just, oh, cause you just want to watch the ring walks. Forever. You want to watch the ring walks. You want to watch uh, you, know, you want right. to come back to it all. But now with the ESPN Plus, uh, you can get like much better quality than YouTube. And like you said, the original broadcast, and it's just so much better. And, and you know, that, that they teamed up with Top Rank and – Top Rank has put on some of the biggest fights over the last, what, 40 years? <laughs> so, I mean, sure. it's everything you want. Like you said it's it's a fighter's dream. And, and this weekend, on, on Saturday, uh, you'll be in Vegas on the call for, for Terrence Crawford, Jeff Horn, a fight that will be exclusively on ESPN+. And uh, with this deal with ESPN and Top Rank has really brought boxing into the forefront uh, with Terrence Crawford arguably being one of the best pound-for-pound fighters uh, in the game right now. You'll be on the call. You'll be ringside alongside uh, uh, Tim Bradley and Mark Kriegel. In your opinion, uh, what makes this fight so compelling, and uh, what can we expect on Saturday night? Well, first and foremost, any fight that Bud Crawford is in is mandatory must-watch programming for any boxing fan. And I think in the case of Crawford and Lomachenko, 
we're really starting to straddle that line where that's becoming a requirement for any sports fan. I think in the course of the past year, as these guys have had, you know, Crawford's crowning achievement of becoming a four-belt undisputed world champion that happened on ESPN, Lomachenko's now three-fight ascent of their very mainstream eyeballs watching him from what he did last summer to the spotlight that he had in the post Heisman Trophy show, Madison Square Garden card, to you know what he most recently did in New York. I think those two names are now um, the awareness factor is so significant with sports fans who only 18 months ago, maybe they heard the name, but they didn't really know what they were consuming. That is no longer the case. So just by having Bud Crawford in the fight, it crosses over that threshold. Now, you say to yourself, in recent history, what is the most consumed over-the-air fight in recent history? Now, I know there's head shaking to it, but it's what happened last 4th of July weekend from Australia with Pacquiao Horn. If you remember, and I know that it was a cloak of controversy with the scoring, which we can get into a little later, but if you remember what the mainstream buzz was like in the days following Pacquiao Horn. Huge. I don't I don't know that people realized what was happening until it happened. Highest rated cable fight generationally. Mainstream eyeballs. Okay, we understand from a pay-per-view by standpoint there are fights that have generated more that have had um, comparable households, right? Because this thing was a 4.4 and 4.4 is the record of Mayweather Pacquiao. Mm-hmm. But in terms of new eyeballs, in terms of mainstream eyeballs, it felt like more Americans that are willing to be the water cooler mavens and connectors and buzz people consumed Pacquiao Horn than any fight that we've talked about in recent history. Is it worthy of consuming at that level? Probably not. But does that show you the reach and distribution and platform of if you put a championship caliber event with an A-plus legend superstar on there? What's going to happen? Yeah, it did. And this is the paradigm shift that now boxing is experiencing. No, you're absolutely right. And especially with Horn, um, you know, it's almost like Tim Bradley. When Tim Bradley fought Pacquiao, you know, it, it, did he win? Did he not win? Up, up to the debate, just the way that Horn and Pacquiao up to debate. And but th- what it did for Horn is now people now know who he is. Uh, he's the guy that you know might have beat Manny Pacquiao. He's the guy that maybe you know ended Pacquiao's career. If will he ever be the same Pacquiao moving forward? Now he's fighting uh, Matisse coming up here. So I do agree right. with you that this fight has so much allure, and you throw in the fact that Bud Crawford is on the other side of it, and all the theatrics. Uh, and all the, the the talk from Australia from Jeff Horn. Have you been enjoying that that aspect of it? I know you can. If well, you know, on... it's funny. It's, it's so funny because I was down there for a week last summer, so I got to know you know Dean Lonergan, yeah. and I got to know all the characters you know by Jeff Horn's side. And I realized you know you, you can make certain assumptions, and you would think, oh, these are going to be people that are happy to be in this position. These are going to be people that are very very grateful and. And, you know, they're not going to talk a lot of smack and they're not going to stir the pot. You know, they know how to do a boxing promotion. Glenn Rushton, you know, his chief second is a fairly brash, bold, outspoken, by the way, extremely successful guy in his own right outside of training in in fighters. Um, Wildly successful guy. Hedge fund guy, right? Yeah, very, very smart. Um, And they're not going to back down from anything. So whether it's the glove controversy 
or whether it's, you know, putting some of the stuff out there that they're putting out there of what they're going to do to a smaller man who they think they're going to muscle around and make a fight with. Um, I think it's fascinating, and I think it'll, it'll continue to be as the week goes on. Now, I want to go back to the college football and what makes you, like, so versatile, you know, between college football, uh, you know, calling boxing, horse racing. And I always wondered, how do you prepare for – how does preparing for a boxing telecast differ from, you know, say, Alabama versus Auburn Iron Bowl matchup? It's a much deeper de- – boxing becomes a um, less less lateral and much deeper dive into the research. You You – in football – you want to make sure you have everything covered. So in football, you're making sure, God forbid, the first two safeties go down. Am I prepared for the third string safety? Do I have some biographical nuggets on him? Do I understand? Do I have all nine assistant coaches covered? Do I know the scheme and personnel groups? Do I have all the backstories, all the plot twists covered in a sport that in college football is going to include 170 players on the field, 85 scholarships to a team, all the backstories, the pageantry, the connect the dots with everything else. In boxing, we got two guys in the ring. Then you got, you know, trainer, manager, promoter. You got a, you got a lot of backstories. You have a little more of understanding the career arc of each guy. So it's a deeper dive into a smaller pool, if that makes sense. Where in football, you're not taking as deep of a dive, but, man, that pool is an ocean wide. Um, so in football, it tends to be a week of preparation nonstop of memorizing names, numbers, backstories, quantity of information. Boxing, you almost want to become one with the event. You want to breathe the event in and live it the whole week, be around it in its totality from the weigh-in to the hotel lobby to the buzz at the hotel bar yeah, absolutely. to having a story with trainers to talking about to talking to sparring partners about what really went down during camp you know um, so it's a completely different kind of preparation and one of the things that you know we all appreciate at CompuBox and I think boxing fans as a whole is that you always stuck with boxing you know that this was how you got your name at espn and and made you so prominent calling those espn friday night fights and i got a kick out of this the fact that you know you might be in a ballroom in say biloxi on a friday night for a friday night fights working alongside teddy and then you know come 24 hours later you're at uh you know clemson or you're in ohio state or or you're calling a big a big football game so that must have been a whirlwind for you and it's just it was a, a testament that you you know you love boxing. You're not going to give up boxing. As you know, you would go as far as to call an ESPN fight on Friday night, and then Saturday night you're you're in a huge stadium calling football. Yeah, and that was very important to me in my career because obviously there were there just the realities of of what happened in my career over you know 16 and a half years at ABC and ESPN. There were there were a lot of points where perhaps I didn't need to do boxing compared to where our boxing coverage was during some of those years. But that was never the case with where my passion lied. I love the sport. I don't care if I'm calling a four-round swing bout. If it's good action and it's guys who are extending themselves, I want to be a part of it. So even though I'm doing the Heisman Trophy, I'm doing the college football playoff, my typical Saturday night was spent with 100,000 people in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and having meetings with Nick Saban. If boxing is going to be on our air, I want to be a part of it. And that's why it's also very satisfying to me 
the events that have happened in recent years and now the long-term contract in play of the commitment that the network has found with the sport. And to be at this stage of my career and know that Top Rank has come home to ESPN and that, you know, the two best pound-for-pound fighters in the world are aligned with our network, it's it's so satisfying to me. And, I, you know, I appreciate the fact that you recognize that. that of course. That, that the sport has meant that much to me and that I never gave up on the sport, no matter where our network commitment was to the sport. Yeah, I mean, I love boxing. I was born into this sport. And I know, I know you were. <laughs> and I know that uh, you do, too. I mean, from hearing about your dad and taking you to fights, being at Mike Tyson's debut, I still can't get over that fact. I wish I was there for his debut. But uh, what Hector about— Mercedes, and he didn't wear black trunks. What was he wearing? Kid Dynamite. wasn't even Iron Mike yet. Yeah, I think he was wearing, like, if I recall in my head, it was like a, a very faint, powdery blue, almost white twinge with a little bit of a red— yeah, red white shoes. To it, red, I heard yeah. he was wearing white shoes. Yeah, he too. was, but he was not. He was not. Everybody said, "Oh, he wore black." His whole career came out. That was not the case back in Albany, New York, early on. What was the buzz though? Like, did you, I mean, obviously, people knew it wasn't like the internet where if now he was making his debut, we'd, he'd probably be on ESPN Plus or something like that. But this was like, I guess it had to be like a word of mouth type of thing. It, it was, but remember, he did have the. He did have the. You know. Because maybe, and you know, I got to be careful because living in that area, there was probably more buzz that I was aware of than perhaps elsewhere. Um, but but there definitely was that word of mouth and that local buzz. And he was covered well, you know, at the end of amateur career mm-hmm. through the debut in those early days. I mean, it, you knew what was going down. You knew that, that our area was producing the guy that was the most favorite man on the planet. I want to go back to college football real quick. Are you going to be doing Please. any more college football at ESPN? No, no, strictly Monday Night Football. The Monday Night Football brand and franchise is all-consuming at ESPN. (laughs) Now, I love college football, and and it's it's one of my great passions. And um, but maybe this is a good time in life. You know, my son is my son is actually leaving to go to college and play college football in about four weeks. Wow! So he's going over to Boston College. He's going to be playing ACC ball. So maybe maybe it's perfect timing that Monday Night Football is going to allow me to watch (laughs) him play a little bit on Thursday, Friday, and. Saturday kickoffs and then get over to Monday night football. Well, what, what position does he play? What is give us some info on he this is, young he, is, well, he played every he played every position growing up, but uh, during high school, in addition to playing quarterback and safety, he ended up becoming a very prominent specialist. He always was the kickoff specialist, the punter, and the place kicker. Nice. Always growing up, in addition to playing everything else, so he started to be recruited because he would go to these national showcase camps. And we're just very blessed. He works very hard. And uh, he ended up being recruited, so that was a that was a couple year process of going around the country, thinking about where he wanted to go on to kick and punt, and and uh, he chose BC, which mom's very happy about. Ninety minute drive, stay in New England, life is good. And you, you you went to Boston College, so he's a legacy I did. now. I did. He is a legacy guy, although I tried to stay out of that when it came to his recruitment. Believe it or not, uh, which he questioned at times. I just wanted to let him make his own decision, but uh, you know we're we're definitely thrilled that he's going to be staying. In, playing ball at DC. Yeah, I'd love to see you and your son in, in the in the uh, coach's office and you're just you're grilling you're grilling them. <laughs> you're grilling the, yeah, the coach. Yeah, that would be something. Just that like your just like a Friday uh, meeting with the head coach. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, it's funny cuz exactly. I, I I told um uh, one of my buddies that you were coming on on the podcast and he's like, "Oh, Joe Tessitore, he's that's the the voice of the uh, Fight Night on uh, EA Sports." Yes, many years of that. <laughs> so yeah, I was many, thinking, many years of that. are we gonna? Is that gonna come back? I mean, I feel like you would probably know, or you might be in the know. I feel well, like a lot of people. Well, my accountant, my accountant would love for it to come back. <laughs> would be the, so yes. Um, listen, we had a great run with that. We haven't we haven't done one in a few years. 
I think we did seven years of going to Vancouver and Chicago yeah. and New York and all these long voiceover sessions. Um, the game was wildly popular. I can always tell somebody's age by how many times they will potentially reference, oh, man, you Chainmaker, Fight Night, <laughs> yeah, yeah. your boys, Fight Night. I'm like, great. So that's what you did through college for four years. You played Fight Night for four years of college. Pretty much. Um, you know, but, you know, my son's generation and, and just younger than that, they're not big Fight Night guys, but anybody between the age of, say, 20, 20 to about 32 mm-hmm. is the core Fight Night addicted crowd. Yeah, because you can do career mode, and Joe Tessitore is going to yes. walk you through your whole career. All of a sudden, you're, you're right. fighting for the title, and it, your voice is just is bringing me along. You know, it's very funny you bring that up. Last summer, I was hosting Battle of the Network Stars on ABC, and we got all these, you know, from dramas to sitcoms, all these actors from all over the place. And, you know, the show Scandal um, had, a, had a team there, and then um, Designated Survivor had a team there. So the guy who plays Mike, the Secret Service agent from Designated Survivor, big, huge, strapping, muscular guy, looked like he could be a heavyweight, walks up to me, he's like, man, it's nice to work with you again. I'm like... I'm sorry, I, I don't think we've worked together. And he's like, "Yeah, we worked together years ago." I'm like, "Geez, I'm I don't I don't act. I don't know. I'm a sportscaster. I don't think so." He's like, "Yeah, man, we worked together up in Vancouver." I'm like, "Really?" He was the guy that they put the little ping pong balls oh, on wow. in the unitard to become the heavyweight in the Fight Night video game. Oh, so man. he's the guy that's like shadow boxing so that they can motion capture him as I'm doing the voiceover. That's and now wild. he's a star and designated survivor. That's nuts. He went from motion capture video game fighter to a legitimate actor on ABC. Listen, anything is possible then. But yep. just the fact that you hosted the network of the of the of the stars, I mean, that's just... There's another Coastal job. There we go. I mean, that Monday Night Football, I know you brought up at the beginning of the show where everyone, at the beginning of this interview, where everyone says, you know, have you had time to sit back and... And it's just, it is crazy to say that, you know, there's only two people that I've ever called Monday Night Football in, like, a heavyweight championship fight or, or, or a, uh, a big-time fight. It's you and it's Howard Cosell. That's got to mean something to you. It's cool. Listen, I, I care for the legacy of our business a lot. And, yeah, it's really, really cool, and it does make you think. And, you know, listen, we work in a business that lets you pause a lot. You know, I know you and your dad, you get to these big events, and you, you're sitting there, and, you do pinch yourself sometimes oh, and, and you say to your, you know, you say to yourself, what in the world, man, this is our business. We're being paid for this. This right. is outrageous. Yeah. It's crazy. It's wild. And you know, the fact that to think that, you know, you were on those Friday night fights and those Tuesday night fights. And, uh, right now my producer of this podcast, I think you, uh, I think you remember this guy. He's uh Nick Canobio. He wants to say hello. Uh, my man, my man, What's Nick, up, many Joe? years on the road together. What's going on, Nick? Good, good. To hear I, your voice, man. Yeah, it's good. Good to hear you too. And uh, I, you know, when when Dan said we were going to get you on, I I, uh, I I thought back to when I first started with CompuBox, two thousand two. Um, first of all, good when, when I first started, your your son was like <laughs> two or three like years, two old. years old. I remember you yeah. bringing him down, and he was a little kid. Now he's kicking for Boston now College. Now he's going to college. It makes Sick, me right? feel old. You're an old man. Now. I know. I am. I'm an old veteran now. Old but. You know, it's, fun, it's funny you bring up those days of being on the road doing Friday night fights and Tuesday night fights and Wednesday night fights and contender. I mean, we were on the road. There were years in those days of ESPN boxing. I swear to God, we were doing 85 to upwards yeah. of 100 events a year. I mean, listen, if you're asking me, would I rather do Bud Crawford, Vasily Lomachenko, Zerto Ramirez, Oscar Valdez, and do 
12 to 20 world championship mega of course yes i get it but those were the best of times i mean if you were a boxing nut i mean we would go from city to city to city it was rather like a traveling boxing circus on espn in those years like oh two oh three oh four oh five it was incredible yeah, and that's Just when incredible. Yeah, and that's when we were traveling too. So I I, I got yep. to experience that too. And I, I remember, I don't know, earlier that you know, two thousand two or two thousand four, around then when uh, we got stuck up in Rhode Island for a Tuesday <laughs> fight, and it, we got yep. snowed in, and I had a st- we we all stayed that whole week and. You know, uh, just just hanging out with everyone. It was, it was a good experience. I was young. I was 19, 20 years old. I think uh, we were doing Peter Manfredo against yeah. Sergio Mora. There it that, is. Yeah, that's a Rhode Island. That's a Rhode Island fight right there. That is. Is there that, or we're doing Scotty Pemberton versus Phil in the blank? Yeah, Omar Sheikha, Scotty Pemberton. Exactly. You know, I, Super I th- Ray Oliveira. Yeah, yeah. Who who still has records with us for for punches thrown? It's incredible. Um, I do remember another story when I was younger, uh, for first starting out. I, I forget where we were. We might have been in Philly, but um, I had a Michigan hat on and a Notre Dame keychain. And you looked oh, at boy. me like, how in the world can you have, you know. You can't. You can't. <laughs> you just looked at me like, what are you doing? And, uh, right. you know, I, I like their fight songs. And I think I told you, I just, uh, you know, I played like trumpet back in junior high and I, when everyone was practicing the, the the real songs for the concerts, I would be playing the uh, fight songs for Notre Dame and Michigan and all of them, and uh, I just you know got a kick out of that. And I'm a big big we Irish fan. We gotta get you and Dan maroon and gold. They gotta get you and Dan maroon and gold. DC Eagles beard. Yeah, oh, I'm I'm yeah. all on board. We'll put man. An end to all this. I am we'll all on board. Right. I'm a big fan of Boston College, but it's funny because like you know I was obviously not young enough to be a punch counter when Nick started in 2002 when you were calling fights. Uh, in 2002 for ESPN, but I knew that there was this one night where where uh, Saul couldn't do the fight plan with Teddy, and Nick stepped yes. in, and Nick stepped oh, I in. Teddy. Yeah. yeah, and all of my friends at home were like, "Oh man, Nick's on TV!" And then Teddy, right. and then Teddy goes at the end of it. Teddy goes, "That's Nick Canobio. Kid travels with an entourage." So, yeah. so all his friends. So you go back. It's just, it's just great, and you know, to see where you are now, and and just the oh, Monday so nice. night football, and you know. We love you here at CompuBox, and uh, it's great that oh, we're likewise. still doing big fights. Great appreciation and, for you guys. I mean, you put those, you integrate the numbers, you know, very, very well, and uh, it's great. And uh, I'm looking up right now. Uh, you said that you had never been on TV, but it says you appeared in a TV drama, Dead Zone. You acted as yourself, Joe. Oh, that was, uh, yeah, that was just a cameo playing <laughs> myself. They, they needed a boxing broadcast with with uh, Anthony Michael Hall was the lead there. They were doing a they were doing an episode about a fighter. Uh, so yeah, but I, you know, I have no acting skills whatsoever. I don't, I don't know. I think I could see you now. Monday Night Football, big Friday night, uh, big fights in ESPN. You never know. Maybe you, you'll be. We'll get uh, some cameos going. Get some cameos going. But uh, Joe, thank you so much uh, for, for joining us here, and uh, we look forward to your call on Saturday night, big fight, and then, of course on Monday Night Football. You know, hopefully, get a few giant games and get some wins for us. Well, we'll try. I like. I actually think they're going to be the uptick team of the NFC this year, but I think the NFC is absolutely loaded. Yeah, the I Eagles. think there is such a balanced tilt in the entire NFC compared to the AFC. But I do think the Giants are going to be a much improved team. That's music to so, all of good our. Good to be ears. with you guys. All right, good Joe. Thank you. you. Appreciate it. Take Talk care. to you soon. The great Joe Tessitore. There he is, Nick. I mean. He's the best. He's one of the he's one of the, the better broadcasters in, in sports right now. Obviously, a great guy, as you can hear. He loves boxing. I mean, 
the biggest takeaway from that interview is the fact that this guy lives and breathes it. He's not just some guy that, yeah. you know, you see a lot of it in boxing where uh, they give this the boxing beat at ESPN to a, the, like a, a guy right out of college or someone who just got at ESPN. Not the case with Joe Testo. This guy was at the, the debut of Mike Tyson. <laughs> I mean, and now he's called Monday Night Football, and you guys spent a lot of time on the road together. So that was pretty cool, right? It was a lot of fun, you know, spending time with that whole crew. Uh, you know, Saul, I remember. Uh, Saul Avalar. Wrestling with Saul. He didn't think I was going to be, a, you know, he didn't think I was a good wrestler. So, I mean, it was a couple hours after the fight ended. We were out. We were in the Hollywood, uh, Hard Rock Hollywood, Florida. And there's a big uh, like terrace outside, mm -hmm. and uh, you know we had a couple of drinks, and he didn't think I was a good wrestler, so I had to wrestle. So I don't know if Joe was there at that point, but but Mike Mascara, those guys, Brian Zwolinski, the the, ESPN the old school crew, ESPN Friday night were all fights. there to witness me uh, lay a beating on Saul. Wow, Saul punch counter, former punch counter, now works at ESPN yeah. as a stage manager. Yeah, man, he's absolutely right that those ESPN fights back in the day, or not back, yeah, yes, early 2000, that was a traveling circus. That was 80 shows, you know, every Friday night. It was like like equivalent to what Monday Night Raw is now. Like Monday Night Raw is every week, rain, snow, or, you know, it's yeah. it's happening. That was Friday Night Fights for a very long time, and Tessator was doing that. He was going from, you know, Friday night, like in, in the Hard Rock of, in Hollywood, Florida, the next night he's in Clemson or he's in Ohio State, and now he's on Monday Night Football, so... And calling, you know, Terrence Crawford, some of the biggest fights in boxing. So really pumped to get uh, Joe on the show here at Inside Boxing Live. He's been a great friend of ours at CompuBox for, for many years. So uh, there it is. We're going to move forward with the program. There might not have been any fights this past weekend, but that has not stopped the boxing rumor mill from percolating. So uh, here we at Inside Boxing Live, we have what we call In Case You Missed It. Uh, we try to catch you up to speed on everything that's going on in the world of boxing. What do we got first? Eddie Hearn says Joshua Povetkin is close to done. Yeah, I saw this over the weekend, and uh, I don't know what to make of this. Is this Eddie Hearn uh, possibly, you know, posturing, as they say in boxing? Is he trying to back Deontay Wilder into a corner? Because uh, Povetkin is obviously one of his mandatories uh, to fight uh, Joshua, and a fight that can be easily made. Povetkin fought in the U.K. on the undercard of uh, one of Joshua's fights, so the, the U.K. market knows who he is and all that stuff. So is this Eddie Hearn just trying to you know say what um, and try to get Joshua to come to the, the, the table here to make a fight? Because uh, I think what they have on the table right now is this fight has to happen in the U.K. between Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder, or it's not going to happen at all. So will we see the fight happen? Is this really something that could be made between Joshua Povetkin, or is this Eddie Hearn just doing what Eddie Hearn does? Uh, remains to be seen. If I was a betting man, I would say that um, Joshua Wilder is not going to happen next. I think it happens in late 2018, early 2019. I think both are going to take fights um, with you know, Joshua fighting Hevekin and maybe Wilder and uh, Dominic uh, Brazil. But something to keep an eye on. Oscar De La Hoya says, Canelo ready to move on from Triple G. This is another uh, little promoter's trick. Uh, I mean, we see all, this, all the time from uh, these promoters where they, they make an outlandish statement or they, they draw a line in the sand, so to say, and that's it. So this was Oscar De La Hoya saying that, you know, Triple G – we don't want Triple G. We're tired of the demands. I think why isn't he agreeing to the 65-35 split that was made uh, when this uh, rematch was supposed to happen? But then you have this whole other camp, the whole other side of the coin here. Triple G 
pissed off that he lost out on upwards of $30 million because Canelo uh, failed a drug test. Whether Canelo did the drugs or not, whether or not he uh, took the clenbuterol knowingly or was because of tainted meat, it doesn't matter. The fight was called off. Triple G lost $30 million at least, 20 to $30 million. So therefore, he's asking for more money in this negotiation. 65-35 seems a little bit unfair, uh, granted everything I just said. So maybe they come to an agreement here. Maybe, you know, it's 60-40, or they come to some, they hammer something out. But Oscar De La Hoya is doing the same thing Eddie Hearn is doing. He's saying we're moving on. Uh, we'll fight Saunders. He, and the, you see how he tweeted it? He spelled Saunders' name wrong. He, was, <laughs> uh, he spelled it S-O-N-D-E-R-S, and that was a nice little joke on the interwebs. But, you know, he'll say, he'll say we'll fight Saunders, we'll fight Charlo, or we'll fight this, that, and the other. But we all know if Canelo does not fight Triple G in September, He's going to fight Spike O'Sullivan, and it's going to be a an all-Golden Boy show in September, and it can be very easily made, and it's probably going to be on pay-per-view, and everyone's going to be forced to buy it. But there it is. That's the latest from uh, the Canelo Triple G saga that I think fans are getting very tired of, to be honest with you. BJ Saunders pulls out of Martin Murray fight. Yeah, so uh, these all are intertwined, just in case you missed it. Uh, is BJ Saunders hurt? You know that he pulled out of the fight originally uh, with a hand injury. This time, it's a hamstring. Now, it makes you think. You know, a lot of conspiracies out there. Is he pulling out of this fight? Because Oscar De La Hoya said that, uh, that uh, Canelo is moving on from Triple G. You know, he wants that big uh, money fight of B.J. Saunders. I'm a huge fan of B.J. Saunders. I love his style of fighting. I love the fact that he talks trash nonstop. He already uh, put out a video this morning, <laughs> uh, to Martin Murray, calling him a bum. <laughs> Even this is, and this is after the fact that he canceled the fight twice. Called him a bum. Told him if you want to come see me, I'll be at Manchester Arena for Tyson Fury's fight, and you won't say it to my face. Love B.J. Saunders and everything he brings uh, to the table. So I don't blame him for wanting to get a big market fight, a big fight, whether it's against Triple G, and whether against uh, Canelo, or maybe he is hurt. Maybe his hamstring is injured, and he doesn't want to get into the ring. Um, you know. 50% or 75% of what his uh, full capabilities are. Something to keep an eye on. This is what happens in prize fighting. This is what happens when you get up there and uh, you're in that market or you're in that, that part of your career where big fights are on the table uh, and that can be made. This is an abbreviated in case you missed it, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't chock full of information because uh, the boxing... This has been a great show, but sadly, we must say goodbye. But before we say goodbye, it's time for something that we're going to introduce here on the program. It's the parting shot. Um, pardon the pun, but here it is. Um, it's just something we're going to bounce off each other. I'm going to bring in my esteemed producer slash brother, Nick Canobio. Um, Nick, how was your weekend? It was... Uh Pretty productive. Okay, good. Moving forward. Uh, we're going to end the show with the parting shot. And here's my parting shot, Nick. We need to stop looking at boxers with losses or multiple losses as washed, as they say, or damaged goods. And this pissed me off after the Linares fight, and it's been stewing for a while now. Linares lost the fight. He's got like four losses. Whatever. The guy's an entertaining fighter. Now people are saying they don't want to see him again. Um, let's not give him so much credit for, for losing the fight to um, Lomachenko. Uh, and just like got me thinking, like look at the UFC, what they do. Like, how many of their fighters have five, six losses? Look at the Diaz brothers; they have like ten losses. One of them, uh, you know, McGregor has three losses. Uh, GSP has losses, and yet we still want to see them fight because it entertains us, and it's great fights. And I think that the reason this happened is because of Mayweather and his undefeated 
uh, you know, Karen at zero's whole career puts so much emphasis on losing a fight. Like that's like the worst thing that could ever happen. Yeah, I, I agree with you with the, you know, if it's entertaining, just do it. Just just who cares how many wins and losses. If a guy has five losses, as long as those five fights were entertaining, you know, keep keep it coming. Yeah, exactly. Look at De La Hoya. He fought everybody. Did he he lost to a lot of those guys? I mean he every big fight he was in, he seemingly lost. You could say the same thing for Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, every big fight Mike Tyson was in, he lost. But they were they're regarded as all time greats because they fought everybody. And, you know, win, lose, or draw, they're warriors. That's for lack of a better term. So I wish the boxing community out there would stop with this and change their thought process a little bit. I don't want to um, tell them how to think, but it would be nice if um, we started appreciating these guys a little more. Uh, what do you got for us, Nick? Well, there's all this talk about who's the best. This isn't really boxing, but it is. I'm going to bring boxing into it. But, uh you know, who, who's the best basketball player that's been going around Twitter? It's LeBron James. LeBron James or MJ. And my thoughts are, you know, LeBron is probably one of the best athletes of all time across all sports. So it got me thinking, like, all sports, best athletes, what boxers would be on that list? Wow. What do you um, think? Easily Roy Jones Jr. comes to mind because he played basketball and boxed in the same day. Um, Lomachenko I mean we've seen him on his crazy videos with his hand-eye coordination I could see Lomachenko like as a soccer player or like doing backflips after that um, who else I mean she's going up down the list Terrence Crawford can shoot hoops I've seen him in the ESPN uh, the basketball game that's a t- I mean a lot of these guys you've seen Pacquiao play basketball he might be awful but he's shown the hand-eye coordination I mean you think of the, a lot of them would be like anything that has to do with footwork like soccer or basketball. What, what, what about you? What no, you I was gonna. I was gonna bring up. Uh, what really brought to to my head is uh, is Roy Jones. So you yeah, know, he, he the, when we had him on, just the stories of him playing basketball uh, before uh, a fight. Um, you know, it really, it really got me. You know, thinking that's an athlete across the spectrum, you know. Like guys that can Doesn't play matter. any sport. Yeah. Like Dave play, Winfield do was anything. drafted in every, seemingly every single sport. He could potentially do something like that. But I don't know. I mean, it, Roy Jones clearly is like the guy that comes to mind number one. And then you, you if you want to stick with guys that are active, Lomachenko. I would Lomachenko probably pay to see him do a lot of different stuff. I'm trying to go through like the weight classes here. He, Lomachenko could play tennis with, with, with himself. Yes, I've seen him, but so. he's a one-man band. If you go up to like the middleweights, like Golovkin, I don't know. You can see Golovkin play another sport. Uh, that's that's tough. Charlo brothers are super athletic. Yeah, a lot of these guys think they can be they play other sports. But we've seen it with Roy Jones. He did. He did it. He actually and, did and it. Pacquiao is a you know quote unquote professional basketball player in the Philippines. He can so. do. Yeah, he can. Wasn't he also on the team? Yeah, yeah. It's a little he, conflict he of interest there. Yeah. But yeah. in Mayweather, whenever he played, whenever Mayweather plays with his buddies, none of them ever guard him. It's like when Obama played basketball in the in the in at the White House, no one ever yeah, was blocking him. No one was going over the middle and blocking the president of the United no. States. And Floyd Mayweather is the president of the the money team, so no, no one was doing that. But great show, awesome show. Special thanks to our guest Joe Tessitore for coming on with us. Uh, special thanks to you, Nick, for uh, producing the show. Bob Canobio, executive producer. I also want to thank the 2018 Hall of Fame class. This is Hall of Fame weekend coming up in Canastota. If you haven't been up there, you've got to go if you're a boxing fan. You will get access to everyone. So a special shout-out to Steve Albert, Jim Gray, Winky Wright, Vitaly Klitschko, 
and Eric Morales. If you're up there, you find yourself at the Hall of Fame weekend, go out and buy this book right here. CompuBox, Muhammad Ali, by the numbers, written by Bob Canobio and Lee Groves. Lee Groves will be there in person. You can meet Lee Groves and get the book. Go out and buy it. We'll see you next time here on Inside Boxing Live.